You want to build relationships with Chinese factories in China while you're visiting in mainland China, receive free samples, vet them, not waste any time and do all this from the comfort of your own home. If so, you are truly going to get a lot of value out of this episode right on the other side. Welcome back to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, your weekly blueprint for explosive success. I'm Carlos Alvarez, full-time successful Amazon seller and organizer of the largest Amazon seller meetup group in the world. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wizards of Amazon podcast, where we cover all things private label. My name's Carlos Alvarez, and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, It's just me, everybody. There's no other guests uh, we have a, an amazing guest coming on next week, which I think everyone's going to be super excited for, so you don't want to miss that show. Uh, today's episode actually has to do with maximizing and just being efficient while you're product sourcing in mainland China. This applies to any country, rather, so you don't have to just use this in mainland China. Now, a little background, since uh, I'm going to use China as an example here, only because uh, that's where the majority of us source our products from. And in my first few trips to China, I wasted a great deal of time. And I also went over there with unrealistic expectations. So my first trip there was for about, I I think, 45 days, 30 to 45 days. I don't recall, but I know that I wanted to cover half a dozen factories a day. I was going to go visit half a dozen factories a day. I set up these times with everybody. I was uh, just, I was not going to visit the wall, Terracotta Warriors, anything, just work, work, work. Uh, make it happen, grow my business. And when I got there, day one, picked up by the factory very early from my hotel. It Immediately, as soon as they picked us up, I, I knew that my schedules and my, my timeline and my goals were way off the mark. It was just totally unrealistic. First of all, it took us about an hour and 15 minutes to uh, get to the factory. Uh, this particular trip was in Shenzhen. We were in Crown Plaza in the Longgang district. And we were actually going on the outskirts of Shenzhen to the factory. So it, it took us about an hour and 15 minutes, crazy traffic. And it was just a good ways away. I I was putting aside maybe two and a half, three hours in total for each factory visit. Now, for those of you that have traveled to China and built relationships in the factory, keep in mind, I do know that how unrealistic this is now, but this is a testament to how, how ignorant I was then. And what happened is when we got there, I was already getting a little time OCD, if you will, about all this stuff that I have to cover and how am I going to cancel with people. And let let me even back up a a little further is they they didn't even take us to the factory. They took us out for tea and tea lasted about two hours, tea and lunch. And then when we get to the factory, there was more tea and, and then there was the showroom and then there was more tea. And then we met again. This was an all day affair. The concern now was uh, somebody to drive us back at night or to get us to the train station or or something, but we blew the whole day. Uh, We didn't blow it. The relationship was amazing. I still work with this person to this day. They are amazing. Uh, Kitty, if you're listening to this, you, you rock. But it was an entire day trip. So five of the other factories that I was supposed to visit that day, at least, uh, couldn't, couldn't be met. And, And not to mention, I just knew that at least five more factories per day for the next 30 to 45 days would not be able to be met either. And I started seeing the trip as a failure. I kept trying to get in a second factory and sometimes even a third factory each successive trip that I made to mainland China. And it was exhausting. It truly was exhausting. And I felt like I've always felt that it wasn't the most efficient use of my time. And then I had a game changing moment. I was 
sitting in the lobby of a hotel. I believe I was in uh, in Chengdu, and there, when I came down, usually in the lobby, I'd come down at that time, and there was just nobody there. And, and this time, I actually went down to the lobby, and there was uh, easily a hundred people, standing room only, and everyone was applying for a job. They were dressed the same. And they're applying for this job. I asked some people. At this time, I'm coming down in a basketball jersey. And for those of you that know me, I'm tattooed up uh, from like neck, uh, bottom of my neck or shoulders down. So in in this basketball jersey, I'm six foot five, big guy, full of tattoos. So I'm getting everyone's attention down here. And a few people just came up and wanted to take pictures with me. At the time, I think they thought I was Birdman's cousin, the Miami Heat player. Uh, Heat were doing really good at that time. That's a whole other side. Funny story. But the when, when they were engaging with me and wanting to take pictures, I asked them why they were here, and they told me it was this job interview. So I was like, oh, wow. And I was thinking, you know, every time somebody came out from the interview in this other room, everyone kind of like whispered to each other, and they stood up a little straighter, and they tucked their shirt in a little more, and their tie, everything. They're like really getting ready for it. So I'm imagining the pressure that they were under in that interview. And that's when I really had an epiphany, and I was like, well, where are they meeting and it, it's, it's obviously common sense. Again, I had never done anything like this before. And I realized that they were meeting in a conference room. And it, these people that were applying for a job, they were not applying for a job at the hotel. This was another breakthrough moment for me. And I was like, wait a minute, somebody was able to just rent the conference room for interviews? And, and, and I just immediately went to my phone. Um, I think at the time I was still using Trello, but or already using Trello. And I I, I jumped on there and I wrote some notes down. I started brainstorming it. And, and this was towards the tail end of my trip. So the following trip, I was determined to maximize this knowledge and be a lot more efficient while I was on the ground in China. I just wanted to share that little background with you guys before I dive into how you should do it. I, I don't want it to, I don't want you to get the impression that I just always have done it this way. But how I approach going to China now is it's one of the few times I'm not a huge fan of Alibaba or 1688, but if you're first starting, it's, it is a decent place to start. You just got to be extra vigilant. I like to use those sites anytime I'm going to get into a, a new product line or a new brand that I don't have a lot of contacts in. And what I do is I will go ahead and, you know, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, and a few other spots in China. I will look for locations where there's a high concentration of factories making that product. And I'll go to Alibaba, create an RFQ or a request for quotation for those of you that don't know what it is. And I throw, I throw a really wide net. That's how I refer to this part of it, throwing a wide net. And in this wide net, I'm, I'm basically letting people know. And if anyone's interested, I'm going to give you a number at the end that you can contact and just ask me for a template and I'll send you a template. But the I throw a wide net. I give everyone all the details of what I'm looking for. I let them know, look, I'm a, I'm a business owner from the United States. It's going to be visiting your factory, actually visiting your city or a nearby city, uh, depending on where they're located. And I'm going to be interviewing factories for a long-term relationship um, at my hotel between this time. And, and this is another kicker. I provide them a link. So, so in this email, I'm letting them know the date I'm going to be there. Uh, I give them a, 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 a calendar scheduling link, more on that in a second, that they'll be able to book their own time. I give them the address of the hotel so they actually have it. 
and the conference room number. So at this point, I've already reserved the conference room with the hotel in China. It was it was pennies on the dollar, it, it felt like, for a really, really nice conference room that, that set a, a really good impression. So I, I gave them all this information. I let them know that they needed to bring a sample of the product that I was requesting above, that they were going to be leaving the sample with me, uh, which means these samples were going to be free. And I already mentioned that they need to have an English speaker there. Now, the link, the scheduling link that I sent, that's very intentional. The majority of those links due to the firewall in China are tied to like your Google Calendar or some kind of Google or Facebook product. And they're not allowed, they can't open them. The only way they can be opened is if they're using a VPN. And there's a lot of good services on VPN, Astral. I'm a fan of ExpressVPN. But to get past that firewall, they need a VPN. So what, what I learned was when I cast a wide net and I let people know, this is the link right here for you to schedule a meeting with an owner of a company in the U.S., that obviously is not a fly-by-night business owner. They're flying all the way over to this country and they want to set up a meeting. If at that point, the factory is like, oh, well, can't use that link, or, or they reply back with, can't use the link. How about you just suggest times or anything like that? And they didn't take the time to even try to troubleshoot how to get this relationship off the ground with something as simple as a VPN that they probably already have. To me, that's a huge no. If they couldn't solve that on their own and they're not excited enough to begin the relationship to get and, and solve that, we're done. So that's actually been a great filter with me a, a lot when, when using Alibaba and any of these other sites when working with factories. It, it, it usually, it separates the wheat from the chaff for sure. I'd say it eliminates 60% of the applicants immediately, which works great for me. So once you've sent that and you've, I call it, they call it the firewall filter. So once you've used your firewall filter and you've sent that out, you've let them know they need to bring someone that speaks English. They need to leave a sample. You let them book. There's a lot of scheduling apps that you can use out there. Calendly is a really popular one. My uh, scheduling app of choice is Book Like a Boss. Uh, if you guys want to check that one out, I have some codes. Again, I'll leave, a I'll leave my phone number at the end of this episode. You can just reach out. Text me is probably best. But text me and just ask me for the code if you like it, and I'll send it to you. It may or may not be an affiliate code. I have no idea, but I'll look into that too. But if you want a, a code to use that one, I suggest you reach out and save some money. But so, so what happens there with the links is I schedule 15 to 20 minute uh, meetings with this factory, um, with all these factories. And that scheduling app will allow you to schedule those out and maybe put five minute buffers. And this is, this is important. Normally, I would say something more than a five minute buffer. And a buffer is something saying, basically, if you schedule something with me from 1 p.m. to 1.20 for a 20 minute meeting, that the next available slot will not be at 120 because I'm going to have a five minute buffer of time between the meetings to prepare any notes or do anything I need to do uh, in anticipation of the next meeting. So the next available slot would be 125. Now that's a very short window. That means you really need to be in control of the meeting. And, and part of my secret sauce here, that's intentional. And what happened was I'm trying to duplicate that in, that massive job interview, which to this day, I don't know what they were interviewing for, or they may have told me and I don't remember, but I'm trying to pack that lobby with factories that are coming in to meet with me. And I want them to see each other in that lobby. I want them to all see that they're holding nearly identical samples to each other. And I want them to know this meeting ends at a fixed time because your competitor, they're coming in next. And this has been gold for me. 
I've cut through all the BS. I get better prices than I've ever seen these, these factories advertise anywhere. And the meetings are very short to the point. I save money on samples. Uh, my follow-up process after the meeting, I don't want to dive too deep in this episode because I want to keep these relatively short and digestible on a quick drive. But uh, my actual approach and my and the questions I ask and, and all that in this actual meeting with the factory when I'm there, I'm definitely going to cover that in another episode. I, I think that portion of the relationship building is something that's glossed over too much in the industry. And it's actually pretty critical because you can nail every component that I just said. And, and if you botch the actual interview and you just, all you're talking about is MOQs and how low I can, how, how much lower I can get your price, then, then it's not going to translate well. And they may just walk out with their sample. But in this scenario that I just described, they do not. And anyone that comes late or anyone that does not bring a sample or anyone that does not bring someone that speaks English, I immediately let them know that we're not having the interview and that they can reschedule an interview once they have that in place. And, and that's something I, I stand firm on because at that point, it totally defeats the purpose of me meeting them. Now, again, if, if, you, haven't, if you haven't wrapped your head around this, pause this, rewind it, you know, or scrub back, whatever, and listen to this again. This isn't from your hotel room. You know, a few minutes before the meetings, you might have been laying in your bed or in the jacuzzi or something of your hotel, maybe getting a foot massage and you throw some clothes on, you go downstairs to your reserved conference room to have these meetings. Now, a few other things that I think is important to talk about here um, as to why some other benefits of this approach. And that is at the end of your meeting, you could have technically covered 20 plus factories here. um, And now you have 20 plus samples. Of products. So in this example, I'm going to use, it's actually a brand that I'm going to launch soon, um, which is the Salsa Kings brand, and it's going to be dance shoes. So we're going to talk about red tango shoes. I guess every show has their product. You got watermelon slicers and garlic presses. We're going to use dance shoes. So um, some red tango dance shoes. And there's a conference room full of people with red tango dance shoes, and they leave samples. So I have 20 plus red tango dance shoes. Now, I'm obviously not bringing all of those back to the U.S., and this process is not done at this point once I finish the meetings. The next thing that I do is I evaluate my notes, I evaluate the samples, and, and I process them. And I start eliminating. And I'm extremely strict on why I eliminate stuff. Mind you, I'm not giving any second chances on these samples. This person needed, it's important to me that the person brought a sample with them from wherever they came from to a meeting with a US, uh, a U.S. business, and they needed to bring their best. If they brought anything that does not cut it at this point, the relationship ends. So it, it's really important to be that severe in the, in the vetting process there so you're not wasting your time. Anybody else that's left after that pretty extreme vetting process, I, I do one of two things. I well, Usually both. I reach out to them and let them know that I would like to schedule a visit with their factory now. And I let them know that I say I'm leaving the next day and I can't schedule uh, a factory visit with them. I let them know that I might fly back or take a train back uh, to visit their factory, um, have them pick me up from the train station or cover the plane ticket. Um, Depending on how the meeting went, they may or may not do that. But I also reach out to my inspection company of choice, which is V trust and let them know, Hey, 
Um, I need you to vet this factory for me. I need you to do an inspection. So a lot more on inspection companies and other episodes. Uh, finally, a, a little, I guess, advanced tip here is if you have a process of virtual assistance on your team or just virtual team members, I hate that the word VAs has become an ugly word, so to speak, but you have some virtual team members there. Uh, you can just take pictures of all your meeting notes and the samples that correspond to them and all that information and just fire that over to your virtual team so that you can then, instead of spending a lot of time processing stuff that you could do from your home, instead of being in mainland China, you can actually go out and perhaps meet some of the factories that you met the prior day in the same setup that are coming now to meet you for dinner uh, close to your hotel. I, I think, again, when you travel all the way to mainland China or you go to another country, the, the goal here is to maximize your time. So um, I, I personally am a huge proponent of virtual assistance. So I would, I would have a process built to actually send this to my virtual assistants and allow them to do the follow-up emails to the factory to schedule the next day. Remember, your, your, your team is going to see your calendar. They know you want it booked with what you want it booked with. So all that can be handled on your behalf. So I really hope you got a lot out of this episode. This is how I maximize my time with factories, vetting them in conference rooms in the comfort of my hotel. Something to keep in mind, it's important that you don't think you're going to vet every factory in mainland China from one single hotel. People are not, most people are not without any trade references or people vouching for you on your behalf are, are not going to take a five, six hour plane ride to go visit you with one sample and an English speaking member of their team based on nothing. So what I do is I pick cities throughout China that are really close to the large concentrations of the factories that I'm looking for that can make my products. So an example here is say, say Qingdao, Shenzhen, and and Guangzhou. Say those were the hotbeds of where your your type of factory is at. I would schedule a hotel visit for each one of those. Um, maybe stay there two days each. You could schedule these to happen in the days between the phases of the Canton Fair if you're going over there during April and October. And that way you can schedule these visits over a two-day period, jump on another train or a plane, fly back to your, your home base or wherever the majority of your actions happening in China and rinse, wash, and repeat. I'm going to end this here. Much love to you all. Keep crushing it in your business. For those of you that are interested in that template that I was talking about earlier um, on, on how I approach the factories and schedule the links and all the information I tell them or any other information on this show, and I know I mentioned something else on the show, uh, you can go ahead and send me a text to 305-902-1283. Again, my name is Carlos, 305-902-1283, and I'll get that over to you. All right. Much love again. Keep crushing it in your business. And I'm going to wrap it here. Until the next episode. Liked what you heard and want to stay connected? Join our Facebook group or find me anywhere on social media at Wizards of Amazon or text the word Amazon to 69922. 